0: Chapter two, what I want to share with you tonight is um, the day of small beginnings. I think right. that there's, there's something going on in our culture right now that people don't want to do nothing. They don't want to do things unless they start out being awesome. Yeah. Now they do start out being awesome, but not a whole lot of people care. And so we need to talk a little bit about that so that we put our framework in the right. Because sometimes we know we're, at, we're looking for God to give us the thing that He's asking us to do um, with this year, certainly with the processes you're moving forward into your destiny for your personal life, for your family, for you know, for this ministry, for Fort Erie, and all—it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're looking for just you know, get, you know, give me something. And sometimes you know, the, the little things can come and go. The things that God's talking to us about, the little things can come and go. And we're sort of thinking, "All oh, that now, and you know, that one can't be God, but in fact, it's God." You have to be really sensitive to it. And you kind of have that situation here in Luke chapter two. We're kind of g- going to rewind a little bit because I didn't really have the chance to make this because they rushed me on Christmas Eve. You know, can you imagine that they would do that? And so this is the Christmas Eve scripture that we use. And it says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know, how much more exciting an announcement could have ever been made than that one? And then and then the angel turns, and now the angel is there talking to a bunch of shepherds in the field around the corner from where the manger was, telling them this, you know, having this moment with these shepherds. And then he says, the angel says to the shepherds and says, and this is a sign unto you that you're, shall be, you're looking to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. Now you've sung songs like that. But what's important to realize here is that when God does amazing things, like freakishly awesome things, transforms the very nature of the planet, the the world will never be the same because of the birth of the Savior, Christ the Lord. And he had to even tell the poor shepherds, listen, I need you to focus here because this guy, the Christ, you know, the Messiah, the Savior of the whole wide world, the one in whom the very hinge pin of humanity is hinged, he's a baby right now. And you're gonna miss it if I don't tell you that the sign that I'm gonna give you is that there will be a little baby sitting in a manger. Most of the time, when God speaks to each one of us about destiny and purpose, Sometimes we can be wrapped up so much in the need for the significance of the call of God upon our life, it's, it's gotta look meaningful beforehand. Right. It's gotta make a lot of money, it's gotta be great, it's gotta get at least a billion views on YouTube. You know, It's gotta have all of these things to it or else, you know what, nah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, good. I'm good. And that's where we can run into trouble. Even as we're sitting in this moment now, as we've crossed over into 2018, right, we wanna know. We don't wanna get to September and still be thinking, okay, God, what do you want me to do this year? You know, because the runway gets pretty short in September. I don't know whether you knew that. So we wanna find out now. We wanna know, okay, grab on to it. Especially with all the stuff God's been doing with us. You know, he's talking to us about being courageous. Like, it's been on and on and on and on and on. How many of you get a little bored with, you know, I need to have courage. Is God's got a purpose here. You gotta, you gotta get in. The, there's a flow to what God is talking about in your life right now. And so let's talk a little bit about the day of small beginnings, because I feel like it's an important part of our mentality, our perception of the way God is gonna be speaking to us. I think that he's going to give us, I'm just trying to give you a parallel, looking at, well, you know as, what I'm, as I'm trying to figure all this out for myself too, that God shows you something awesome. and mm-hmm. Your life is gonna matter. You know, you're gonna change the world. But then the instruction that he gives you for right now sometimes seems like it doesn't match up to that. It's just too little. It's just too small. Right. And that's where we can often miss it. We can often not wanna give our time and energy, give our resources and our prayer time and you know, gather our family around us and say, hey, let's walk around the block. You know, that doesn't, just doesn't, doesn't sound exciting enough. And oftentimes we can, we can miss it. We, as I spoke to you before, turn over to Isaiah chapter 50 something. Let's go to 54 in verse two. I'm gonna read that to you. Anyway, Sing, that. O childless woman, you who have never given birth, break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem. You who have never been in labor, for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Enlarge your house, build an addition, Spread out your home and spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and settle the ruined cities. Fear not, you, are no lo- you will no longer live in shame. Now that was, was it last Sunday's message talking about shame, about the, 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 the reproach of Egypt? Fear, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of your widowhood, for your creator will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. This, if you go to the the King James, Old King James, you recognize it. This is a scripture that's talking about enlarge your tent. Stretch out the cords, strengthen the pegs. And the imagery there is that you are, God is calling us to grow into bigger territories. I think I showed you last time that when we are living this, you know, with, remember the step as you kinda go up and up and up like that in a step motion. It's not a linear line, the way we live life. Same thing is kind of what he's talking about here is if that's the circumference, that's the area of our tent. And so what God's wanting us to do is he's wanting us to extend the borders out. But this area, this zone, do I have a rubber outer? When when we originally have the circle, this this area all out here, everything that's outside of this line is to us the impossible realm. See, all of this that exists right here, this is all places we already live, all in here. We already understand what it means to live in in that way. Everything that's outside of this line here is what we would call impossible. That's, that's the I can't zone. It's the impossible zone. It's the fearful zone out here. And what God is asking us to do when he's saying enlarge your life, make it bigger, cause it to take on more square footage, he's asking us to grow out into this impossible, into the I can't, what we were right now in our perception of our abilities and our capacities and our strengths and our talents and our opportunities and all of that that makes up my life and the realm of my life is, is inside that circle right now. Oftentimes you can, you know, if I do this, if we're doing a Raymar or something like that, I'll ask somebody like, what's the maximum amount of money you can make in an hour? So $10, somebody would say, maybe $20, somebody would say, maybe $100, somebody would say, maybe $1,000, somebody would say. Just keep going until I find your limit. Eventually you will have a limit. I mean, can you make $1,000 in an hour? Can you make $10,000 in an hour? Can you make a million dollars? Somewhere there's a limit. It's just impossible for me to do this, that, or the other. And so what happened, now that's just a, a natural metaphor for this, but every part of your life is like that. How much work can you get done in a day? How, much, how many, how many uh, inventions can you create? How, how big can your business get? How large a house can you live in? All, how many children can you have? All and on, and on and on and on. How long can you live? All of those things are all limitations. They're all boundaries that have been created in your mind. And what God is calling us to do when he says enlarge it, he's saying find one of those boundaries and push yourself beyond that boundary. And what that's telling us is that right now, in my perception, the way I understand the world to be, that this zone is the impossible place. I just can't do that. I mean, I can do a lot of cool things. I just can't do that. I mean, I can live to be 75, 80, 85, 90, 95. Starting to lose some of you. 100, 100, that's a biggie, eh? What is it about 100 that makes it so big? Y'all tell me he reads 85. I said to him the other day, I says dude, like 15 years from now, he's gonna make 15 years, no problem. Yeah. 110, 115. See how you can feel like at one point here, you stop. Did you feel that? You could do that with financial things, you can do that with how many people go to your church, how many people are blessed by your business, how many, on and on and on and on on it could go. What you're discovering, and you can feel it, that you have crossed over the boundary for now it's kind of like, okay, now we're just talking like churchy stuff. It's just gonna, you know, <laughs> boop, boop, boop. That's the important thing, is recognizing when something goes in your heart through to the realm where it's, it's now a boundary. Because God very much, when he's talking about all the things he's talking about, going into a greater level of the promise of God in your life, he's always talking about invading the land of impossible. Not because he's showing off, but because you've already conquered the land that's in here. You're already awesome. A lot of us are already awesome at living in the wilderness. We got this man and quail thing. We nailed it, man. The shoe's not wearing out for 150 years. We got that one. They, and they'll go in and out of style three times. It's awesome. You get to keep. We got this land in here. What we have to learn is the understanding of what God is talking about when he says, I'm looking for you to invade outside of those lines. I want you to step into the realm of the impossible. And so as we do that then tonight, I'm going to re- do some you know, some work some stuff that we've already talked about, but it's important as God calls us back into a season like this, that we refresh our minds to understand this is how it happens. It doesn't happen any other way. You cannot just go, I I hear it all the time, do it afraid. You cannot do it afraid. What happens in that scenario, if you could imagine that it's like a rubber band that this boundary here is like a rubber band. As you push against the rubber band, that's awesome as long as you have the strength to push. As long as you have the ability to go and do it afraid, just with willpower, because I'm just gonna do it. When you do that, as soon as you don't have the willpower anymore, as soon as that emotional strength goes away, what happens? Anybody knows? anybody had the experience? That rubber band snaps back into place and you go right back to living where you lived before. And there's a very good reason why that happens. Matter of fact, it's supposed to happen like that. Because the Bible says when you train up a child in the way that he will go, in the end he will not depart from it. He's gonna try and push the boundary of that thing, but as soon as he runs out of gas, it'll snap him right back into place. That's the way God designed us to be as human beings. That's how he gave us continuity in our lives. The problem becomes when the limitations that we have in our life aren't the God limitations. They're not the ones where that my life is not supposed to be having this boundary. Somebody else has built that wall there. And I need to figure out how is it that I can get to the other side of that wall? How can I extend my tent out in that direction? And so we're gonna take a look today at Courageous Christianity. And it's going to be a very, very practical discussion about how do you do it? How do you process the information of going towards that which you presently feel is impossible. Can I tell you, we never try to do something that's impossible. The only way we ever try to do something that's impossible is if we don't think it's impossible. I remember a friend of mine, we were trying to develop, this is years and years ago, thankfully, we were trying to develop a perpetual motion machine I really believed that we could do it by faith. That would be an awesome thing to be able to do. And we worked and worked and worked and worked at it, but then I realized that from the scientific physics principles, you cannot create energy. It just can't be done. And so because of that, the, the ability to create a perpetual motion machine and create free energy is an impossibil- a real impossibility. It just can't be done. And so you have, the only reason I was trying was because I didn't know that it actually can't be done. It's one of those things that can't be done. And so. The only way we as human beings ever try to do something impossible is we don't think it is. We have to get these impossible places of our lives to become those things that aren't actually impossible. We have to disconnect them. And the only way that we can disconnect them is to understand something different in our perception towards that thing which we presently call impossible. To bend the boundaries so that we actually move them we don't just try to stretch them out of the way, and we're gonna talk a little bit about that. We're gonna talk about this fella, Abraham, and the miracle that changed the world. You know, a lot of people think that it was Jesus who was the miracle that changed the world, and Jesus was a miracle that changed the world. But the original miracle that changed the world was the miracle of Abraham, where he was able to believe God for his son Isaac. God came to Abraham, as you remember, and said, in you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. And Paul tells us who he was talking about there. Who was he talking about? He wasn't talking about Isaac. He was talking about Isaac 37 or so generations down when Jesus was actually born. That little babe in a manger is the great, 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 grandson of Abraham. So when God said, in you will all the nations of the earth be blessed, he was talking about Jesus. But he first had to have Isaac he was a barren person. his wife was barren they hadn't had any children and weren't able to ever have children and so they were this huge miracle that is referred to that is the birthing of the Jewish nation, the Jewish uh, way of life all started with this fella Abraham and then Jesus came out of that and his Christianity as you know is an, is an offshoot if you will or maybe maybe a Upgrade to what was that? What was started out being the Jewish religion, and so it's everything is laid up on top of one another, going back to this fellow Abraham, and so we're going to take a look at that again with understanding, because having a baby to Abraham was impossible. They had tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And tried. It, nothing mattered. Remember, even when when God came to him and he said, "You know, I am your exceeding great reward." Remember? Do you remember that that, that part? Uh, Genesis uh, uh, maybe 12 or somewhere around there. And so God comes to him and says, I'll give you anything you want. Abraham, you know, in a parenthetically shot him the finger. Say, <laughs> so what will you do for me, God? Like, I don't care. God's coming, woo, I'll be your exceeding great reward. Abraham says, I don't care. Why did he not care? He didn't care because he knew he was a dead man walking. He knew that it was all over. You can fill my life up with whatever you want. And when I die, it goes to some guy that was born in another country. And so he knew this was an absolute impossibility. It wasn't even on his radar that he would be able to do that. And God came to him and said, I'll give you a kid. If you want one, I'll give you a kid. And so we know the story from back in Genesis, but then Paul recounts it, coming back into, into, into Romans chapter four. And he gives us an understanding of how do we get that to be a, be a principle in our lives that we are using intentionally on purpose every single day of our lives. Because it is the principle that is either gonna move you into your new promised land as you extend the boundaries, as you, as you take hold of that which is impossible, and it becomes part of your natural everyday life. As we do that, then when we're there, we use the same principles to get ourselves ready to be able to extend the boundaries again. And then God says, okay, let's extend them again. And then you live there. And the way you live in all of these places is always using this principle of allowing the supernatural power that is resident in your life, given to you by God, as part of the, 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 the equipment that you need to fulfill your destiny. Because your destiny, the purpose that God has for you is extraordinarily more than what you will even accomplish in your own lifetime. I remember when the Lord came to me at the beginning of the ministry and he said, you know, just you know, on the inside, I'm not saying he walked into my bedroom necessarily, but he said to me, in you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. And I first heard that, I was, whoa, this is exciting. Until I realized that the guy that God said that to first didn't, that he never saw it in his lifetime. Matter of fact, didn't happen, it it happened, you know, today in your life, long after Abraham is gone. And so a lot of times the destiny that God has for us, the things God's showing us about the magnificence of the significance of what our lives are being called to, those things may not even happen until long after you're gone. They may be things happening in your children or in your grandchildren's, or in your great-grandchildren's generation, and you're setting in motion right now the, the acceleration and the, 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 the boundaries that you are pushing through right now are going to be boundaries. They're gonna be positions that you give to your children right. that is gonna empower them to go further and go further and go further. You know, I talked to some of the guys that hang around this place and hang around my life, and I was telling them that we need the, the next generation, you, 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 it's not good for you to just live inside of the, ba- the, the, the acreage that I have been able to conquer in my life. Yeah. That what you have to do is take what you have been given and make it a thousand times more. Right. Wow. Go and, and continue building out with your life and out with your destiny and out with your purpose and out with your giftings to be able to, that's what God's intention was when he said, fill the whole earth. He's intended to do that, not because one person can do it, but because one person's life can affect another person's life who can affect another person. But if we don't ever take on that responsibility to say, I'm going to keep growing out the boundaries of my life, the boundaries are empowering us to become more and more influential with our lives, being able to impact the lives of other people with the things that we have been able to learn from God. Now, that person doesn't have to start off on square one anymore. He can start off where I finished off. Does that make some sense? And so Abraham then, when he's talking about this, he's, he's, Paul is going to give us sort of like a play-by-play of what has been happening in Abraham's life. He's gonna show us how did Abraham go from a baby being absolutely impossible to changing diapers? How did that actually happen? Because go- it needs to happen in all of our lives as well. So number one, open your heart as you go into the, your season now, you know, over the next couple of weeks, this week, this week you wanna get this stuff in gear, wanna put the rubber on the road. But as you are with God this week and spending time with him to clarify the things he's asking you to do this year, open your heart to, the, to things that you might have already said. No, that's impossible, that's, that's silly. Nah, we're nah, not doing that. Especially like Pastor Alex was saying, what are the things you're trying to ignore that God said to you? What are the things you're trying to not focus on? Look at all of those things. Because as they fit into some of these categories where you've dismissed them for whatever reason, God is really asking that you don't do that. Number two, just allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you about things presently outside the scope of what you have thought today is possible for you. Stop looking for a big thing at first. You know, this is a real problem in our generation as I've already mentioned. This doesn't exist. And any time it does exist, you're gonna see a really big thing happens and then it disappears. That's right. Always. Yep. It doesn't have the ability, big things that happen too quickly, yep. they, they happen then without structure. Right. They don't have the sustainability mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, uh, because there's just no structure in it. Mm-hmm. And most of the things, by the way, you think things happen overnight, they don't happen overnight. Right. We just don't, we're not intimately connected with what it took for that person, whatever big thing happened for them, however that was being built over years, and years, and years, and years, and years, of right. faithfulness, of persistence, of a transformation of the mind and the soul of somebody as God is bringing them <coughs> through all of these boundaries in their lives. It just happened that when we saw them, they were crossing over a big, big, huge boundary. Right. Yeah. You, know, I, I, you know, like, did you, you know who Jeff Bezos is? B-E-Z-O-S, I don't even know how you say that name. Does anybody know who that is? Does anybody know who uh, um, Bill Gates is? Put up your hand if you know who Bill Gates is. (coughs) Well, Jeff Bezos is now the richest man in the world. Jeff Bezos on on Thanksgiving Day, no, Black Friday, what day is that? Is that the day after Thanksgiving? Jeff Bezos made uh, $25 billion that day. (laughs) You know, if you want to, but nobody knows who he is. you know, he's the guy who has is the primary stockholder of this company. This is a little tiny company called um, what's it called again? Amazon. Amazon? Yeah. <clears throat> and so, but we don't know who he is, and we're thinking, oh my gosh, you became a, the richest man in the world overnight because you happen to see the name in the in the phone book. That, I mean, in the, in the newspaper. But that was not what happened, yeah. right? In order to build Amazon, one of the world's most amazing companies, that took a lot of work. I took a lot of decision, took a lot of time, it took a lot of effort, it yeah. took a lot of development. All of those things are happening. And the same thing that happens in your life, and we can sometimes, because we live our lives looking at the headlines in other people's lives, we don't realize that everything takes time. Everything, in order for it to have a sustain, the strength to be sustainable, then you first have to lay all the structure, you have to lay all the foundation. And so what Abraham, is, what Paul is gonna talk to us here about that journey in Abraham's life, is the laying of the foundation. And the foundation for doing the impossible exists in your soul, in your understanding, uh, your perception of reality, your understanding of what's going on all around you all the time. And so when we do that, we we have to learn different mechanisms, particularly in our culture. Because our culture says if you wanna do big things, you gotta go to work. You gotta work hard, you gotta work hard, and you gotta, when you're done working hard, you gotta work hard. The problem is, is that there's a lot of people that you know, that I know, that you even may be as somebody who's working hard and not getting the results for the work that you do. Because it's not about, first of all, working hard. The first thing that has to happen is a transformation in the way you think, in the way your soul operates. Or your hard work is you pushing against the rubber band. As soon as you stop working hard, you're right back where you started again. And that's where the problem comes in. And so listen now, um, big things require structure to be maintained. Many things appear to be big and fast, and to be big and and be big fast. This is not real non-sustainable. Most things that we think are big and fast were just being worked on outside of our vision. Okay, we just didn't see it happening. There's no such thing, second of all, there's no such thing as blind faith. God is not asking you, if, even if he showed you something, and he's, you know, okay, so you're going to go to Uganda, and you're going to build a big school system for all of these young people to be able to, woo, let's get plane tickets. No, let's not get plane tickets. Because you're just taking a leap of faith, that's what they call it, just blind faith. There's no such thing as blind faith. By the very definition of what faith is, yeah. Hebrews 11:1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's right. You already have a hope, right? right? F- faith is, that's present tense, substance of things hoped for is past tense. If you have something in the present tense and something in the past tense, which one happened first? Tough question for late at night, I know. The one in past tense happened first. So the first thing we have to have in order for faith to be working is hope. And so when you are focusing now on your faith going outside of this boundary, in order to do that, you have to change what is your present day hope. Otherwise, what happens is your faith keeps you inside those boundaries. It forces you to stay inside of those boundaries, no matter how hard you try. That's how faith operates. If your hope, which is your expectation, what you really expect is gonna happen, if your hope says tomorrow is going to be exactly like yesterday, then that means your faith is out there. This supernatural force that God used to create the, everything that is, that's a pretty strong force. That faith is going and making tomorrow exactly like yesterday. Right. No matter how hard you try, it's not, you're not gonna defeat faith. Thank goodness, by the way, because then when you try to move it, all you have to move is what your hope is, and then when your hope is moved, then faith is still the substance of things hoped for, and it moves right along with the hope. So what we're doing, our job, is not to move the boundary. Our job is not even, as you'll see in a minute, to make everything work outside the boundary. My job is to maintain a hope. And as I maintain my hope, even though it might seem like it's never gonna come to pass, as it often does, I don't lose lose sight of it. I don't let go. Because what's happening, and you're gonna see is I'm I'm gonna lay this out line by line, as we do that, Now I know my job on this whole thing of courage, this whole thing of extending the boundaries, this whole thing of seizing hold of our promised land, this whole thing about going into this new place that God has for us, our only job is to move our hope. You see that in Abraham's life. Abraham's job was to become the father of a multitude on the inside when he became a father of a multitude, even though he had been trying for decades to have children, when he was able to not only call himself Abraham, which is not a name, it's a sentence, when he was able to call himself the father of a multitude, and that reality had become a reality. That took 25 years. God said Abraham, in, when he was 75 years old, he was 100 when he actually had the baby. That process of transformation took him 25 years in order for it to happen on the end. That doesn't have to take you that long. Because the first time somebody does it, it takes a long time. But by now, we should be raising up, you know, like for our little Olivia and your children and maybe where you're at in your life right now, we should be able to do this in a, in a matter of a few weeks, at least come to the place where our hope, we recognize that the blueprint that is creating my tomorrows is the expectation, the picture, the hope that I have on the inside of me right now. That hope is going to be patterned based on the things that I know, based on the life that I've already lived. And so because of that, I have a lot of work to do, particularly if I'm older and older and older and older and older, because the more days I have in my past, the more hope, the more solid my hope is expecting yesterday to be predicted and to be replicated in tomorrow. Little kids don't have that kind of hope. They think, well, tomorrow's gonna go to Disneyland, okay. Right, they don't fight with that stuff, right? But you get to be 85 years old and you say, you know, grandpa, you know, life is gonna get better tomorrow, what's grandpa gonna do? (laughs) Yeah, stupid kid. (laughs) Because as you get older, what's hardening in you is your hope. Because you're saying to yourself, Absolutely, I'm convinced. Every day, every tomorrow has always been like every yesterday. I was like Abraham, right? You know, he's going by the Victoria's Secret hoping to get, you know, get, get, get things moving with Sarah, and Sarah comes in and tosses that thing in the drawer, right? That ain't, you know, you know? no, that ain't happening. Why? Because yesterday has always been the same as tomorrow, and her heart had hardened. That's why she laughed when God said, this is, you're going to have a baby, she goes, yeah, whatever. What's that? That's a hardened hope. And so when God is trying to bring us, especially you have the same color hair as me in real life, if you, if we, when God is trying to bring us over into this new realm where tomorrow is different than it was yesterday, we have to actually understand how, what bolts we have to loosen because this sucker has rusted in. And we need to be able to say, okay, God, if tomorrow is gonna be different, I'm not waiting on you, you're waiting on me. But he's not waiting on me to do anything. He's not waiting on me to make anything happen as we're gonna get right at here. Okay, let's do that first. Go to Mark chapter four. And so in Mark chapter four, because we're gonna skip around a wee bit here since I'm running out of daylight. In Mark chapter four, if you go to there, wherever I am here, in verse 24, I think it is, nope. Verse 26, and Jesus said, how many of you are listening now? As Jesus said. Jesus understood how this was gonna happen in your life. So it says, and Jesus said, the kingdom of God is likened unto a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. The kingdom of God, that doesn't mean our realm. That means the kingdom of God, the kingdom of earth is like this, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and the kingdom of God is like this. All everywhere operates by this same principle. This is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day he's asleep and awake. The seed sprouts up, he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn the The earth produces the crops on its own. That's in red, that's important. In the metaphor, he's not talking about a farmer sowing corn seeds into the ground. In this metaphor, what Jesus is saying, is this is about the word of God, the promise of God that is being released into your life when God says, this is your promised land. You, Abraham, are going to have a baby, not just a baby, but you're going to be the father of a multitude. Impossible was one kid. What's the father of a multitude look like? But you see, as that word from God had the power to get inside of Abraham's heart. Then what, this Bible, what that scripture says is when the word of God gets in your heart, when you take that word and you make it the hope of your heart, and this is, the Bible's about to tell you how to do that. When you make that hope, that word of God, the real expectation of what your life is going to be like tomorrow, what happens is the earth, your heart or your faith, goes and produces that thing in your tomorrow. You don't have to produce that thing in your tomorrow. You don't have to figure out how to turn impossible into inevitable. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is decide that because God came to you and said, I want this to be your promised land. I want this to be the acreage that you, conquer in the next season of your life, even if you don't think it's even important. Just because God has come to you, it's important. It's the place where you are destined right now to come into a new reality in your life, in whatever area it is, and all God's asking you to do is figure out how to make that a real expectation in your life. So if you're in Romans chapter four, Romans chapter four tells us, verse 17 or so, it tells us that there's two things that we are responsible for. Let me just read it to you. I think I wrote it in my, book, my notes anyway since I'm jumping around. Um, Therefore it is by faith that it might be by grace so that the promise may be sure to all the seed. Now this is the general promise that he's talking about here, the blessing of Abraham in your life But you have a specific promise. In 2018, this is what God is trying to do in your life. Um, Not only to those who are of the law, which is the Jewish people, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham. That's you and me. We're not born, maybe you were born Jewish, but I wasn't born Jewish. I'm in this because of the faith of Abraham, that I decided to believe God. So I'm counted as a righteous person. I'm counted as a brother of Jesus because of I've decided that I'm going to believe God. Yeah. Father of Abraham, who's the father of us all, then there's a parenthesis moment there, but we'll just pass over that so that the sentence makes sense. But also those who were of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, who gives life to the dead things and calls those things which do not exist as though they already did. You have two jobs. In all of this equation, you have two things you need to do, one, you need to give life to things that are presently dead. Mm -hmm. And two, you need to call things that be not as though they already are. Both of those things are referencing the very specific tool that you have to take things that exist right now only in the spiritual realm. What we're able to do as human beings—we're the only people that, we only species of being that's able to do this—we can go from our realm and the natural, and we can go and look and see what's in the spiritual realm. What does it look like over there? And then we can understand what that looks like, and we can take hold of something out there, and we can bring it back and make it appear in the natural realm. This is a gift that we have. You can do it right now. You close your eyes. You know, go to heaven. <laughs> Okay, I'm walking around. You know, you can see I'm, I'm usually walking down the side of a castle. There's a, there's a doorway right there. I'm sneaking in the castle way, you know. And there's this huge light beaming out of that door in the castle because I know that God's throne is right there on the side. So I know as I turn that corner, I'm going to be right in the presence of God. Can you all do that? Right, can you see the abundance that there, can you feel the health, can you, all of those things that you see over there, because you can see them, you can bring them into this natural realm. But the way you bring them into this natural realm is using a very specific tool that you've been given to take something that only exists right now in your soul, in your imagination, it's not real, it's, well, it's real, but it's not real in this natural realm. And you can use a very specific tool to cause those things that only exist in the spiritual realm, which you have drawn down from there and you've put them in your soul. That's what hope is. And then once they're in your soul, as though this is a possession of mine, I'm going to say them out of my mouth. When you say them out of your mouth, you start the process of building those things that only existed in the spiritual realm that are now in the soul realm, because they're in your mind. Now you're starting to produce them in the natural realm that you live in. How you do that, how do you give life to dead things? What does Proverbs 18 tell us? It tells us that the power of life and death are in the tongue. Yeah. It's in the things that you say every day, particularly the things that you say that are in alignment with the Word of God that has come to you as a promise for what 2018 is going to look like in your life. Right. So, all, and then all we have to do now, we're going to have to go and do this next time I'm in the pulpit. Three, two, one, and good night. But I just, can I have five more minutes? Okay, in Romans chapter four, it tells us, Abraham did this, he gave life to dead things by calling those things that be not as though they are. When did Abraham do that? He did that when he said, hi, I'm Abraham, right? Right? He he said, hi, I'm the father of a multitude. Because God changed his name. So every time people called him or he introduced himself, he was saying who he was. And so what we do then is we are releasing that out of our own mouths. That's the key. That's all our job is. Well, there's a couple of things that are gonna be going on here. So it's a little understanding of what's going on in our soul as we are doing that. As we are saying and calling those things that are not yet as though they already were. Abraham says, uh, Paul says it like he said Abraham. He said, one, he considered not the limitations of his natural body. Now in him, in him it was the ability to cre- procreate. But you may have natural limitations in other areas of your life. You don't have the strength, you're not smart enough, you don't have the right education, you don't have enough money, you're not from the right family, you don't live in the right country, you're not the right color, whatever. Limitations somebody has imposed upon you. And those limitations say this far and no more. Right. You have to get your soul to recognize that there are no limitations like that. When God says you can and you say you can't, who's right? Right, Come on, right? just stop right there. Yeah. When God has said, this is where I want you to be living this time next year. I want you to have this new acreage by this time next year. It's just the same as God coming to Abraham and saying, I'm gonna make you the father of a multitude. I'm gonna take you somewhere. And he had to be able to get over the fact that he was 100 years old at this time and stuff wasn't working like it used to work when he was 18. But he had to forget that and get over it. You know, in your soul, when it sees natural limitations, it stops. And maybe you come to church and you la-di-da about it, but you know, and everybody else knows, you got a limitation in your way. Your words don't sound right. Yeah, I'm a millionaire, 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 yeah, I'm a millionaire. Yep, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, I believe in God. All these things that we say, because we really don't believe it. Why, because there's a limitation, there's a boundary. And so we have to just unlock the boundary. Just go, God knows more than the natural boundaries. Over and over and over, no, Jesus walked on water. Did you know that? You saw that, you read that story? How many of you know you can't walk on water? I mean, we do here in Canada, but there's, you know you can't walk on water, right? It's a natural boundary that you say can't be overcome. That's why we have the scriptures. That's why all these stories are there. Do you know you can't feed 20,000 people with a filet fish sandwich? Did you know that? We have all of these places where it's like, no, we have to not have so much respect for natural boundaries, especially when God's come and God has talked to you. And he sort of said, wait a minute, you got to break through this. This is a possib- This is your promised land. And it changes when you can let your soul, you just keep saying it, just saying, you know what, God, you've promised this to me. It's mine. It's mine. I have it. 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 Your soul's freaking out, your mind is freaking out, this is stupid, just keep doing it. I have it, wake up the next day, I have it. Wake up the next day, I have it. You know, I wake up the next day, I have it. Do you know, wives, if you tell your husbands they're good looking, after a little while they're gonna believe you. They may not be, but they'll start believing you. Just Just keep saying it, just keep saying it, just keep saying it, just keep saying it. The next thing that has to happen is it says, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. That means they weren't so big. Yeah. Abraham's gonna have a baby, whoop de doo It's not a big promise. It felt big to Abraham. Yeah. Do you know that making you a millionaire is not a problem for God? Do you know he's got a billion ways to make you a millionaire? That's not a problem. It's not like, oh, God's wringing his hands. Oh, please don't go for that one. No, 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 He wants you want to live to be 100 years old? God's thinking, oh my gosh, there's not enough vitamins in the whole wide world to get you that. No, it's not how God is. Right. Right. That's not, it's as easy, it's easy as anything. The problem is just God telling us that the things that we're believing for, don't trip over them. Just say, you know what, God, I'm your kid. Of course you're gonna do that for me. Of course this is easy. Of course this is okay. It's a piece of cake for this stuff to happen. Just like I said, the earth bringeth forth fruit of itself. All you gotta do is be able to believe it. The earth is going, dude, we can make cell phones. We can certainly do that. And let your mind get beyond it until we get to this place called fully persuaded. Can I tell you, this is a magical place. Fully persuaded is the place where your soul thinks you already have what you are believing still to have. It feels exactly like you already, I wake up in the morning and you're just, you're thinking about it, but as if it already exists. You can tell when you're fully persuaded because you already think you have it. In the sense that you're not bothered anymore that you don't actually have it. You're not shaking your fist at God. How come you don't give me more money to pay my bills? No, you already have enough money to pay your bills. You're not bad about it anymore. You're not freaking out. You're at peace. You are already in possession of that thing. Even though it may not be in your life yet. And this is such a magical place that most people, by the time I get to this part in the teaching, they go, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Because it's not something that we have often experienced as we are walking with God, doing the things that he's asking us to do. Usually what happens is, is that we do a little bit of this work, you know, as long as Pastor Ian's teaching on it. And then as soon as he stops teaching on it, I go to hard work and I start trying to make it happen. And so I often don't have the experience in my life to know what does fully persuaded actually feel like? Will I actually wait long enough until I can feel the emotions of possessing the thing before I actually possess it? That it has become so real inside of my mind that my mind has got confused because I can see it, I can smell it, I can feel it, I can taste it. It has become so real that it has deceived in a sense. It has confused or overlapped my soul because it wakes up one day and it says, do we have that one? I can't remember. Is there one of those in the garage or not? The way that we do that is simply by giving life, our words, to dead things, and calling those things, just repeatedly, calling those things that be not as though they already are. Can I tell you something? As we go into this 2018, there is a grace that is upon your life. That shame that God was talking about the other day when we were together, the, the, the reproach of Egypt, you have to live life as a slave, you have to live life under somebody else's thumb, that has been removed from your life. Same as in Isaiah 54, that the scorn or the reproach that was on the barren woman has been removed from your life. As you start to do this, using this very simple process, you know, we've spent 50 years trying to build our faith we should have been spending 50 years trying to learn how to build our hope. Just one scripture. If you go to Mark, uh, uh, you know, Luke 15, 31, you know at the end of the prodigal son there. Beloved, I'm with you always and all that I have is yours. Just, just do that one. But have an expectation in your soul, knowing how to get through from impossible to inevitable so that that issue of fully persuaded has manifested in your life, so that all the emotions, all the fear, all the I don't have it, all the I'll never do it, all the I can't have this, all that has been wiped away. And it's been wiped away simply because you will not stop meditating on it. You just won't stop rolling it in your mind and declaring out of your mouth that you have already taken possession of that thing. Just don't stop. Make that something that for the first couple of months of this year, it is your I will not go to sleep without doing this thing. I'm going to give you three things. Your new, how many did We don't do New Year's resolutions anymore. I think people have, they know they're not going to keep them so we don't do them anymore. I'm going to give you, if you'll take them, I'm going to give you your three New Year's resolutions. One of them is to do your confessions every day. Can somebody hand out these for me? So I stole these from Liz, and so you don't have when you go to when you join VSR, you're gonna get these as VSR students. So if you have them already, guys, oh yeah. These are just the confessions that they use, very generic confessions. But every day, before you go to sleep, every single day, either when you wake up in the morning or through the day sometime, I want you to do these confessions. All you're gonna do, even at first, you're not even gonna feel them just start saying them out of your mouth every day it'll take you probably five minutes to read through that and say those things out of your mouth as you begin to do them you're gonna notice the Holy Spirit begin to change some of them add some things to it if I gave you Tina my confession it takes Tina and I half an hour to do our confessions in the morning they are six pages long in small text because the Holy Spirit just keeps adding things for us to make declarations about. So I'm gonna encourage you, at least for the next 30 days, that that piece of paper comes with you, sits beside your bed, or wherever it is that you would have time with the Lord, and just make those confessions every day. Number two, I'm gonna encourage you with what we call 30-30. Does anybody know what 30-30 is around here? You're gonna do 30 minutes of tongues every day for 30 days. That probably seems like an absolute eternity. But I'm gonna encourage you, starting today, starting tomorrow. We'll to go ahead and do it before you go to bed tonight. Pray in tongues for 30 minutes every day. You're gonna be, if, if you can just see all the nodding heads around the room, we should do this more often. Yes, we should. The Bible tells us that, fa- that tongues strengthens us in our spirit. So the work that we're doing right now is getting our spirit inspired. uh, Best way that I can describe it to you is it kind of runs a Roto-Rooter on the pipe between you and God. So that you talk and you hear. And tongues just empowers you to be able to do that. And then number three, take one teaching a day. Now, back when I was, you know, in my younger days as a Christian, in order to do this, we had to buy CDs or back in the beginning, cassette tapes. We don't have to do that anymore. You just have to take the phone out of your pocket and go to YouTube or go to whatever podcast, whatever it is that you use, and just line up a bunch of teachings that you can watch every week. I'm going to recommend to you that you get faith ones. Teachings that are going to inspire you in the promises of God in your life. If all you did for the next 30 days was listen to half the teaching on the way to work and the other half of the teaching on the way home, it won't even interrupt your day. If you do those three things, do your confessions every day, pray in tongues for 30 minutes a day, and listen to a teaching 30 minutes a day, I can promise you by the time you get to the end of January, your perspective on your world is going to be dramatically different than it is today. It's simply taking a hold of this, pro- this process in, Mark- in Romans chapter four and empowering yourself with the tool that you need in order to conquer new territory and conquer new land. God will do it for you as long as you build and allow him to transform the hope that's inside of your soul. Put your hand over your heart. If you're ready to make a commitment before God to do those three things as your New Year's resolution, at least get to the end of January, say this with me, say, Heavenly Father, I give you my commitment. I'm going to make my confessions every day. I'm going to pray in tongues for 30 minutes, every day, for 30 days. I'm going to listen to a teaching, a Bible-based teaching, a faith-based teaching, every day for 30 days. It's my commitment. Holy Spirit, you know I need help with this. Remind me every time I put my head on my pillow to go to sleep, Remind me if I haven't ticked off all three of those boxes. Help me with this. I really want to do this. In Jesus' name. name.